Full of Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines on pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm host Winza Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris, who I can see visually doing, doing video for the first time in a long time. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. I like I like the bike setup, man. I like everything. What's going on? Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, we have a lot of topics to get into um, today, as usual, and we're going to get into like a few NFL ones, some NBA topics, um, some album reviews, and in the second half, we're going to do a review of High Flying Bird. Um, to start off with just thoughts on, you know, Kyler Murray's extension and just expectations for the Cardinals this upcoming season. Uh, last Thursday, Murray earned this five-year extension worth $230.5 million um, and $160 million guaranteed, which, you know, will keep him under contract through the 2028 season. But in terms of, you know, Arizona wanting quarterback, you know, stability and longevity, just what are your initial thoughts on it? And just, you know, thoughts on how he's kind of improved over these recent seasons and what he can do for next year. Uh, you know, just thinking about what the Cardinals have been through in their quarterback situation for the past five to 10 years, they're overdue for a guy to bring them and continue the growth to the postseason and, and I mean, the, the big dance and winning a Super Bowl. But yeah. you look at what Colin Murray can do. Is he worth the big contract? I think he is. I think he he has the ability to extend plays and to do certain things that no unmobile quarterback can do. He has the big arm. He checks boxes. He has the intangible, tangible things. But the expectations when you have this type of contract, it's you have to be near perfect. You and and now we're seeing his work ethic coming come into play. Like they're they're finding ways to critique him more when you get the big contract, when you're in the spotlight more than you should be. Everything you have to be near perfect. But I think the expectations for this football team and for Kyler Murray back to the postseason. They were number two in the division, right up behind the Rams. I think they're more than capable, still have good defensive backs and defensive players coming back in the offense is getting stronger. But I'm I'm willing, I'm I'm wanting to see Kyler Murray go beyond himself in a sense to be able to take them and find a way to get the team to the Super Bowl. That is the the, yeah. the big dance, the big question. Can he take them to the Super Bowl? Cardinals think so. They gave him yeah. a big contract, Williton. We're going to see. I'm excited, but also I just want everybody to know when you get those big contracts, everything is going to come into play. They're going to treat you like they did Jamarcus Russell. They're going to try to find ways to critique you hard. And, he, and he's a black quarterback too, so he's already had the spotlight on him to, to succeed or not to succeed. So expectations is high for Kyler Murray and for that Cardinals offense with DeAndre Hobson coming back. So mm-hmm. We shall see. We yeah. shall see. And that's another aspect, like the criticism that comes with it. Like, like, yeah. like, I feel like, especially you know, being a young black quarterback, you're gonna have that. Like, do you think it's one of those things where Kyler Murray knows and he's kind of been prepped by other you know quarterbacks in the past? Like, hey, this is what's gonna come with the territory, or it's just one of those understood things, especially when you're a young black quarterback. I think he understood that in in high school, being a mm-hmm. short quarterback, him being the face, you know, big dick time quarterback in Texas. Yeah. When you when you're five nine five ten quarterback, and we've seen the long laundry list of quarterbacks that have not succeeded as yeah. far as he can, like you know Johnny Menzel, Doug Flutie. I mean, I mean, other one is you know Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson's like a <laughs> an anomaly. The guy <laughs> is just he's he's near perfect, but. I think he understands that, especially him being a two-way two-way uh, sport guy, being drafted by the Oakland A's, coming into the situation with uh, uh, the, the Cardinals when they just draft Josh Rosen a couple years before that. So the expectation is high. The yeah. new cap, not cap, college system, introverting itself into the NFL a little more. Mm-hmm. So 
I think he already knew <laughs> what time yeah, it what was. He was going into. Yeah, but they just needed to build a team around him, and I think they're doing just that, and they have confidence in him to do so, give mm-hmm. him the big contract. So I, I think he, I think he understood that coming from a, a smart, uh, smaller quarterback. Yep. You know, being a black quarterback, being uh, one of the anomalies like Russell Wilson, comes with territory. He, yeah, it comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to have to be, like I said, near perfect because everybody spotlights on him. They gave him the contract. Yeah. He can't make many mistakes. So that's the, that's the hard thing about being the quarterback. Definitely. Um, and now getting into to the, the recent breaking news of Julio Jones agreeing to a oh, one-year man. deal in Tampa Bay. I mean, <laughs> they just get everybody. At this point, they, they just get everybody. <laughs> and also just on like how it'll impact them. Um, you know, this deal uh, took place um, a couple of days ago as Brady will have, you know, another weapon in Tampa. And yeah. you know, he's joining a receiver group that includes, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, and, and Rashad Perryman. But just what are your thoughts on them adding another addition like Julio Jones and just what this does for, for just the expansion of the offense? I think it's similar to when they brought Antonio Brown in and you look at mm. the impact Antonio Brown had with, you know, like before yeah. he'd had the infamous take my equipment <laughs> off, take throw a, it in everything the, off. <laughs> yeah. He, he was balling out for the Tampa yeah, Bay Buccaneers. And my, my hopes is Julio is not just Julio for three games, but a full entire season because yeah. it didn't really didn't pan out with the Tennessee Titans. But I think him being in Florida being with Tom Brady and they're going to, they're going to monitor his, his growth throughout the season. I think they are, their wide receiver core is already great with, with or without him. Yeah. He just adds that, you know, extra element to take the top off. He can go into the slot. He can block, he can do screen. He, he checked boxes, but is he the still Julio Jones we've seen with the Falcons throughout his whole entire career? The guy who had a monstrous Super Bowl game, they lost, but he had a monstrous Super Bowl game. So yeah. can he get back to that that moment and seize that moment with a Tom Brady who already has six rings and a Mike Evans who's a slept rings. on wide receiver? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. it's the upside is it's it's amazing, but you just think about the, the you know the the realistic side. Is he fully healthy? Can he withstand a 16-0-17 game now? Three season playoff, I mean three preseason games, but it's added addition to the seventeen games. Can he do that? He didn't do it last year. So that's that's what I'm I'm thinking of. It's it's always great for a veteran guy to be like, oh, he's going with Tom Brady, Mike Evans, blah, 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 blah. But the realistic factor is he didn't play a full season last year. He 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 sat out as much as he did because he realized that nobody was gonna give him what he thought he was worth. And I'd yeah. rather go to a situation with the Buccaneers, who's a you know a Super Bowl contender team, mm-hmm. and we'll see what the happens contender. after. The, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's just like they did Leonard Fournette. They gave him a one year deal, and then they signed him shortly after they won a Super Bowl, and then it, just to figure things out. But if he's fully mm-hmm. healthy, oh man, that, it, yeah, yeah. Lights, Buccaneers, lights yeah, out. lights out, man. That's <laughs> going to be insane. Definitely, and, and I mean, also when you look at the coaching change, like Bruce Arians had been there for a while. Now you have Todd Bowles, like. Do you feel yeah. as though when when you, especially when you have the greatest quarterback ever in Tom Brady, but you're adding a new coach, like how much does that change what they're doing? Or is it one of those things where you just continue to like run the system that that you've been running, even though you have a different you know coaching personnel? Oh, for sure. And, he, and Bo's been there. He's yeah. been with the team. He's familiar with Aaron's uh, style of football. And then you trust Tom Brady. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the easiest thing to do now. Like he's in his 20th. 29th year that you trust <laughs> a quarterback who has six Super Bowl rings. Yeah. 
you know, you it's it's easy to trust that system. And then you bring those type of guys that he trusts. Mm-hmm. You bring Kyle Rudolph down there and Gronk retires. Kyle Rudolph is still a good tight end. He's still similar to, you know, the style of Gronkowski. But I mean, yeah. you trust that system. You They built a good team in the matter of two years, Wellington. That's the scary mm-hmm. part. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. No, actually three years. I'll give the last the first two seasons and now three years. So it right. in three years, they built a contender Super Bowl team, bringing Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, all these other guys, defense. Like it's crazy how much money they just had storing and waiting for the opportunity <laughs> to spend it on the right people. But yeah. you know, it's it's time for Tampa Bay to get back to, you know, and they done. They won the Super Bowl. It's been so long since they've been to the Super Bowl. Now they got close last year. Didn't came up short, but yeah, almost I mean, got there again them. last year. Almost got there exactly. again. Exactly. Yeah. You trust the process. The back to back years, you're going down. You trust the process. It's easy to trust Tom Brady. So I think even with the new head coach, it's still the same, same day, same system. Keep yeah. what it, it's not broke. Don't fix it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and now transitioning to the NBA and just thoughts on you know James Harden's two year deal with Philly and just. Also, him taking a 14 million pay cut. Um, the 76ers officially announced a couple of days ago that Harden's contract is two years and 68.6 million, including a player option for the 2023 to 2024 season. And you know, there's so many thoughts with this because obviously last year they 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 they, they go fl- have another flame out, another typical uh, Philly flame right. out, and then he's coming back and, and they're they're adding different players like like Horton Tucker and um I, I mean uh, with with, uh, with PJ, PJ Tucker and uh, getting some some you know more defensive gritty players like how do you feel about this 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 signing for Harden and him kind of saying like I want to kind of build a contender and not take as much money um in this next season <laughs> you know what bro and when they say he was taking a pay cut I thought it was going to be like a drastic pay cut yeah and then you see that I'm like what pay cut <laughs> <laughs> where's what it at <laughs> pay cut? who are you paying with that 14 million dollars that's what I want to know who are you you get PJ Tucker okay familiar face that's cool pj stucker's still one of the best sideline three-point guys and he's a good you know good defender and he's ruthless that's yeah. a good pickup okay you got that but i thought he was gonna you know give up more that they could get more players because they're gonna need more players mm-hmm. to be a uh contending team for the nba finals now you taking a pay cut i think is the right step in the direction for him Okay, I'm a. I want to be a selfless player. I want to. I want to ring now. But are you able to, you know, develop into yeah. the new James Harden and that be efficient enough to be in the NBA Finals? Because I saw a post. He went five days straight. Five days, you know, averaging fifty points. Right. Mm-hmm. We're a long ways away from that, Wellington. Yeah. Long ways away from yeah. that. But is this new vamp James Harden? going to be able to develop and be enough to be efficient enough to get these guys to the NBA finals. And right. my answer is absolutely not. He's <laughs> yeah, going to have to be, he's going to have to be the old James Harden. And that's going to be extremely yeah. different for him, especially with a Joel Embiid mm-hmm. who, who wants still the ball. Is, who still wants to be the number one guy. Still wants yeah. to be the number one guy. So that's going to be extremely difficult. How can you do that? Even I like that you took a pick up. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah. You took a $14 million make cut. But you still have to develop into a, a new design of yourself, but it's not going to be efficient enough to help that team go to the NBA Finals. Mm. They don't need a facilitator. They need a guy who's going to make buckets and be a facilitator. Can you do yeah, that? Both. Still? Yeah. Yeah. Dual quality. Uh, 
for sure. I don't know if he could do that still. And, and I mean, uh, also like that—that's we in his prime years in Houston. That's what we saw. Like in, in his prime years, we were able to see like the the scoring, the facilitating, all that at a high clip. Like, do you think it's one of those things where at some point in a play, even a player like James Harden, you just kind of see the gradual decline of hey, they're not the same they were athletically. They have to they have to affect the game in different ways. Yes. And I, and I think that's beautiful. Like, you know, it's a lot of examples. There's <laughs> there's several examples yeah. of guys who had to develop into different, but they had other players. Joel and B cannot carry that team mm. to the NBA Finals by himself. James Harden will have to be the same old Jane Harden that he step back, dribble, 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 and all that, and get 30, 40 points a night. And so he can't be yeah. a, a, a watered-down version of himself. And when when guys at the later years go into another team and they become role players like uh, Carmelo Anthony, Russell West, those they become different role players. They don't have to because they have a James, I mean, yeah. James Harden, but they have a LeBron James or they still have Steph Curry. Draymond Green has turned into a more of a role player who wants the big contract here coming up. Right. I don't know if he's going to get it. When you're at the late, the, your latter years of your career and you have to become a different basketball player, it's cool if you have mm-hmm. that established or foundation with other players who can pick up the slack. Yeah. I don't think the 76ers have that. With Joel and B, you get P.J. Tucker. He's a role player. Like he He's not a standout mm-hmm. guy. The only standout guy is Joel and B, and that's not enough. So he's going to yeah. have to be the old James Harden. There's no if, ands, or buts. Houston days. To be those Houston in days. Place. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. I don't think he could do that it. That was a different Harden, though. That was a different Harden. I'm telling you. Totally, was, totally different Harden. Yeah, man. Like, Harden. He, was in, he was insane. He was insane. It, the step back, dribble, dribble. We always mess with it. We always, you know, make fun of it. But he is lethal, Wellington. The guy is oh, yeah. lethal. But yeah. I don't think he can bring that back with them. Because Houston like was a different. Said, it's like how Barkley said. He, he felt as though like Harden one-on-one is like one of the most dangerous players like oh, ever in sure. the game outside of Kobe. Outside of Kobe. Like, oh, just, oh, for in, sure. In terms of just one-on-one. Like you don't want a mismatch with Harden because he's, he's no. going to take, take that apart. He gets the most calls I've seen in the NBA in the last five years. Oh, yeah. He That's gets it. to the line. And at, he'll, bang, he'll knock a three-point down easily. But he gets to the line. That's that's yeah. his mo. His free throws, his percentage, free throw percentage, and his him getting calls. That's James Hart. Everybody know if he drives, he's going to get that call. He has that much respect with the referees, and he mm-hmm. knows the game. Don't get me wrong, James Harden. Oh IQ yeah, his wisdom, is, yeah, and knowledge of the game is super it's high. up there. Yeah, it's but can his abilities? He's going to have to be. He's going to have to. He's going to find a way because. Mm-hmm. If they want to get to the NBA Finals or get in, like further in the postseason, he, like I said, and I'm going to reiterate this until the podcast is over today, Wellington, he's going to have to be old James Harden. <laughs> old James Harden. That might be, be like old. the most repeated thing. <laughs> old James Harden. <laughs> he's going to have to be the old James Harden, man, or they're not going to survive. Nah, definitely. Um, and now kind of get into just thoughts on the rumors um, earlier this week of a Jalen Brown, KD mega trade between uh, the Celtics and Nets, which I mean, that that one even got Jalen Brown's attention because he he put up on, on he like like he tweeted SMH like like early Monday morning because <laughs> he even saw the headlines of what was happening. But, right. you know, with with the, they were emerging as a te- as as a team, just, you know, engaged in talks on a possible deal. And, you know, he was going to be the centerpiece of the offer, which, you know, would have been a very formidable offer in the pursuit. But 
just just what are your thoughts on Boston kind of like entertaining a deal like that? Because that that is interesting. They were in the finals two games short, but yeah. obviously that player like Katie would put you over the top. And then with yeah. Jalen Brown, you're kind of disrupting the young core between Tatum and Brown for like the, the next foreseeable years. Now, I understand it. They want something now. They've yeah, been there that. since Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. They've been there. When Kyrie there, they got there without him, but they lost to the Cavaliers. So they've been on a losing streak in the postseason for five, five years, five, six yeah. years now. So they're looking for an immediate turnaround now. They're investing into these young players. And if who not who take the chance yeah, and get Kevin Durant, yeah, one of the one of the best players in the league and you're only giving up Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart who you can replace. You still have yeah. Jason Tatum. You still have Al Horford. You still have an amazing bench coming off. Like mm-hmm. there's pieces that you can feel. It's a business first and foremost. I understand these guys have a relationship. You can yeah. still text when you're in, in, in Brooklyn and New York. Hey guys, I miss you. We're going to bust you when we see you. But <laughs> if I'm the, if I'm the manager and, and, and if I'm in the, front office i'm taking that deal i'm trying to get that deal asap that's oh, kevin yeah. durant that's, that's kd that's kd you do it you do it instantly and he will love playing there oh yeah they love playing there so i think he will there will be a a good contender for like right off the bat just given that he's a two-way player jason tatum is being a two-way player like they still have the pieces yeah they're gonna have to deal with katie's contract but I think they can find some role players to 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 put in place so they can be straight. I, I I thought it was a good I thought it was a good trade. I thought it was a good idea. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart for Kevin Durant in a three way whatever. It's awesome. Brooklyn yeah. gets gets better immediately. You know what I mean? So I thought it was a win win situation. But who wouldn't want to go get KD? Like definitely. And, and I mean, also, when you look at the, the possible fit of Tatum and Durant, because Tatum, he's almost trying to be the next uh, uh, KD in a sense, uh, in terms of, of being a dominant scorer and just kind of having that 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 Mamba mentality in certain aspects. Like, do you like if if that if that would have ever happened, like or, or, or made possible, because we don't know like what's going to happen with, with, right, this, yeah. with this KD saga, honestly. But like but like like what do you think about how those two would mesh? Because there is like a bit of of of, of, of pull and play of just like how is. How are all sides going to be on the same page when you have just a dominant force like KD coming in? I think if KD can play and be selfless, which he was with the Warriors, when you have Steph Curry, Clay, Clay, they had Draymond, some other role players that were in the highlight, I think they'll be fine. Excuse me. And I think when it comes to KD, he wants those players to be good because he wants another ring. He wants to be good. So I don't think it would be like a, I think they'll gel well. I think Katie's work ethic is insane. So him just feeding off Jason Tatum and they're feeding off each other, I think it would be perfect. And I think everybody has a, a, a overwhelming respect for Katie as a basketball player and possibly as an individual off the court. So I don't think it would have been a, a transition that was going to be extremely difficult or just like not plausible. Right. It's it's Once again, it's Kevin Durant. Yeah. <laughs> if he get, if, if You even look back at that Warriors King. After yes. they, they, you know, they had had the greatest regular season of all time. They were like, okay, we're willing to, to make adjustments for, for this guy. We're willing to yes. make adjustments. Even though we were one game short of a, a back-to-back championship, we need, we needed him. So we got to make adjustments for one of the greatest scorers and one of the greatest players yep. in the world. And he said it himself. He was like, my points per game went down when I went to the Warriors. Yeah. So he, I wanted to that, win. 
<laughs> he wanted to win, and he's still on that vibe because he thought being with playing with Kyrie, he wanted to play with Kyrie. There was a chance that they could get back. But if mm-hmm. I think it would have been if Kyrie would have played the full season. But I understand, you know, his 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 you know his movement and his belief. So. But I think if he if Katie got the chance to go to the Celtics, I think it would be a good situation for Jason Tatum. Now you have a seasoned vet who's had who's won, who's been consistent since he was with the Supersonics. So I mean, <laughs> like you want that type of guy, you know what I mean? And I could learn from him because Katie's the all around player. Mm-hmm. He's the all around great player. He checked boxes in every aspect. And I think Jason Tatum could learn a lot from him. I think it would be a win-win situation for Brooklyn. They win-win situation for Celtics. Exactly. And then Celtics get another uh, championship that have they haven't had in since KD and Ray Allen and, and Paul Pierce. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, I sorry, not KD, KG. <laughs> KG. <laughs> Thank you, Wellington. Anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's the that's the greatest like post game. That's worse. The reporter, than, the reporter was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> uh, bro." That is worse than Courtney Upshaw talking about touch that thing, folks. And then <laughs> Alabama would yeah. touch that thing, folks. Like what? Country oh bumpkin. Goodness, <laughs> um, but, but but now getting into our to our first album review with with with, with your guy. With with your guy Joey <laughs> Joey Joey Bade with two thousand and just thoughts on just some of the best parts of it because you know in this new album to me you know he really goes back to just find his core sound um you know the beats in the project include just breezing opulent ones he puts together just strong internal rhymes and the different you know cadences he challenged himself with just um just challenging mm-hmm. high level but what are your thoughts on this album and just the overall delivery. Um, he brought because to me, honestly, this this is an early like album of the year contender. Like, this yes. is this is up there, man. Like, he really yes. like went in on this one. Like, like well, uh, to to you, like, what are some of your thoughts on it? And just your takeaways. First and foremost, um, <laughs> appreciate you, Joey. Because first of all, I love his cover art, and I think it's so New York of him. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and then the two thousand, I didn't. The name of it, I thought it was kind of like, you know, it's like, why was he named in 2000? But I thought this was one of the near perfect albums this year, like you said, bro. Like it was, because yeah. we already know Joey, like he checks boxes, lyricism, cadence, just bouncy, the voice, the, you know, the vernacular that he has when he rhymes. And then you look at his features. I'm starting to become a fan of West Side Gun. Telling you, man. Slowly but surely. Yeah. Brand new 9-11. Larry June. I'm slowly but surely liking Larry June. Yeah. Um, uh, and then that Chris Brown feature, bro. Like, yeah. And then the Jid feature. Like, I was waiting for like that's what I love. Like, both of those are lyricists and they have ex- dumb bars. Oh, yes. And I think I couldn't tell who had the better verse. And that's and that was the what I loved about it. Because both of their verses was incredibly insane. Cause GID has a Jid has a way of getting on somebody's song and killing them. It's only a few. He's, he's becoming one of those rappers right now where you might want to hesitate bringing him in over because he might just wash you. He might kill. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna bring the song up, but you're gonna know. Yeah, you're who's gonna the know. better rapper. Yeah, you're gonna know who's the better rapper instantly. <laughs> it's only three people, like off the top of my head, that well, four. Saba is one. I think him and Saba go at it. Um. Are you listening to Saba's album more? Because I remember when we first reviewed it, you were like, uh, 
I think I listen to more Saba with his 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 um his uh group Pivot. Okay, Pivot, Pivot Gang. Yeah. I like him with Pivot more as an individual because they bounce ideas off. They have similar style, but they bounce ideas off, and the mm. the hooks and stuff are a little better than me. But Saba can rap though. Like him and GID goes at it. Um, reasons when GID was on Reason Song, they I couldn't tell whose verse was better. Smino's another one. They go at it. Yeah. Um, and then now, you know, Joey, like that, that made me feel good. Cause I always thought Joey was a contender to be one of the young best lyricists and bar guys. And now he's got a song with GID to hold his own. And I can't tell who, yeah, that's, that's, that's high praise, but yeah, this was near perfect. He had, it was similar to, well, not, I mean, message wise, it wasn't similar, but the style, like he had the up tempo, he had the songs you could play on the radio. It was a mm-hmm. mixture of it. I love the mixture. It's like America, yeah. America yeah. with three Ks. It, it, it kind of gave me those vibes, and I was excited because, like you said, we still listen to the album yeah, to this day. So, for sure. yeah, this was, yeah, Joey, Joey, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I mean, like, and, and do you have like a certain top three or, or like certain ones that you just constantly go back to? Because, to me, like brand new night, the yep. brand new night eleven, that one is right up there. The one of us, show mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, even the definitely want to be loved. Definitely the want to be, be yeah be loved with, with, with Jid. Like, what what are some of the ones that stand out? So you would say like these are the top ones. Every last one you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome back. I still like, and then make me feel, make me feel like I think his order and just like how the flow of the album and how he interchange through different stuff. Yeah, bro, like. It, that's why I say it's near perfect. Hey, <laughs> we put up these. We put up these five five stars. <laughs> this is five star. Yeah, he don't. <clears throat> his five last stars, album man. was more message like America with three Ks. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one. Oh yes. Yeah. This. He did, yeah. He did what needed to be done. Yes. Yes. He's back. He well. He never yeah. went anywhere. But yeah, this was this was fire. This yeah, near perfect. Absolutely. Um, and, and I'll get into our, to our next review uh, with, with, with Neo's uh, self-explanatory and, and his latest and eighth album. You know, there, there's still a showcase of just his distinctive voice and just across 13 tracks. There's just a lot of nostalgia and, and mid-tempo fillers. But what were some of your initial thoughts on this and, and just kind of like how you felt about because like he's so late in his career, but still still able to do things at a high level and still showcase what, what he can do with his voice. You know, um, it's funny. I didn't know he was going to drop an album, but I know he's been dropping <laughs> singles. Like, he dropped Stay Down earlier this year. He's dropped Laying Low. Mm-hmm. Um, he dropped You To Love. I don't you to love. He been dropped that for, like, eons. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we already knew he was still, you know, in the game, but we didn't know. I didn't know he was going to drop an album. But I thought this was, I mean, it's still Neo. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's still one of the greatest writers. Uh, in the ever in the game, and I think his singing ability goes well with that. And I think he he's good with writing or being <laughs> in front of the microphone. I think he's good at both and great at both. So this album wasn't really that many features, but I thought the features that he did have was like I didn't know who I think it was Zoe France when I, I first song I heard well not the first song but out of the Young Blue song and then Jeremiah. I heard laying low and I didn't know who that guy was. I think Zoe France or Zay France or something. I didn't know who that was, but the song was, was kind of dope. And then you got that body. I mean, it's just like, it's normal Neo 
tempo, yeah, need, normal need tempo. Nemo pattern, <laughs> blueprint. It's the normal Tio. I mean, Neo, not Tio. Yeah. What am Shout I talking about? Shout out Tio. <laughs> Shout out Tio. <laughs> Shout out Tio, who was actually on the same plane once with my brother. Like, he actually met Tio. <laughs> oh, for real? <laughs> he He's not that arrogant in person. I promise. He's not that arrogant in person. He just be putting on a show. That's the what you do when you show. The amount of people my brother casually meets. The amount just of people my brother casually meets. Hey, I met Tio. That like, hey, can you can you like help him come on the podcast? Right, like he's casual. Oh yeah, up? bro. You know, yeah. I saw Tio. Met Tio a couple times. Bro, you know, what? he's cool. Hands big. You know, he Poor catches guy. football. You know, That's just amazing. casual conversation. <laughs> but but I mean and and and, and with. With, overall with this new album like when an artist kind of gets into the later parts of their career like like what do you what do you naturally expect from them is it is it to just like continue like making the music that they've always made or is it just maybe like to evolve into a new sound or or just kind of continue to stay on the same track that like they've been staying on ah same track i mean especially yeah. he's a writer his his writing is consistent and the style of writing is consistent so i wouldn't think he would put out something like drake did um just I know he was going to stick to his blueprint formula. and what he, yeah, his formula. So, I mean, it's, and he write these songs for other people too. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, we're going to hear his style for, for, for a ladder of years mm-hmm. because he's going to continue gonna, to still write. Yeah. Cause his style will live on in other singers. Cause I mean, obviously they have to adapt to his style to sing that song or sing those lyrics that he sung. Mm-hmm. So, but I, for, for artists like, you know, Neo, who's been in the game for, for X amount of time, you don't, you don't expect anything different from what he's already given us. And that's just to be consistent in the music, consistent in his writing ability. That's all you can ask for. (laughs) Especially R&B. You don't, in R&B, you don't really ask for much. Like that's rap, rap and hip hop. You like, okay, let's yeah, switch it up. Give us up. Yeah. yeah. But R&B, you say it good. It has got a good hook. You in there. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Definitely. And now getting into, into our next review with, with India Shans before we go deeper um, in her debut album, you know, which is the follow up to her 2021 project before we go. Um, there's just, you know, irresistible melodies and, and reflective musings, you know, which kind of felt like someone trusting you with with deeper secrets. But she also declared this recently to be, quote, the complete album, the way it was created to be heard and felt, end quote. But what were some of your thoughts on this debut and just her describing this kind of as as a complete album in her debut? Did not know who this was, and I think you already know that. <laughs> no, hey, if you guys don't know, I do the like extensive research. I gotta extensive. find one album that I was never heard of. <laughs> you know what? This album was okay. I mean, she had a lot of features. The I like the black song, not too deep, oh, and I and I, I like moving on. I like moving on with Innocent Pack. And that's just because I have a overwhelming respect for both of those artists and I like their music. So just like I was more receptive to those songs, but every other song was just, you know. Anderson's like top five for you. He's like, he's like in your top five favorite artists, isn't he? Or like one of them? No, he's not top five. Oh no. He's not even top, top 10. 10. No, oh, not wow. even top You talk about Anderson so much. I get it mixed up. I get it mixed up. <laughs> no, I love his music, but oh, like. Oh, but not as an artist. Okay, okay. Yeah, I love his like, you know, he's not in my top five because when my top five, I think of rapping and bars and lyricism. Yeah. I mean, he's not there. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. But as an artist, I know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's he's versatile though. Like his versatility yeah. is bar, you know, is he's he's amazing. But to mm-hmm. like if we're talking top five, that's like MCing, rapping, oh, yeah. you know, bars. You. you know what I mean? That's yeah. He's he's not there. He's not there. I don't think he ever wants to be there, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But um, 
But Anderson Pack, his I mean his music, he he could go see he doing music with Bruno Mars. Like that's just he's right. done music with Dr. Dre. Like yeah. dude, like I remember check, check all the boxes. Well, you know what? Exactly. 2000. See, look, bro. I don't want to talk about Anderson Pack because I'm about to go back to 2015 when people were still sleeping on him. And oh, I was, yeah, yeah. his music was fire, bro. Okay. His album, Your Heart Don't Stand a Chance. Heart Don't Stand a Chance. Dude, bro, I was like, bro, feel like this before. Yeah. <laughs> but he but got and, it. And, and, and I mean, like, like it continuing. With with this uh, India Sean uh, album, like, do you kind of feel as though it's one of those things where she was kind of having so many features because this was her debut, and she kind of wanted to see like who else she could collab with, or like, like, what did you think? Like, what did you think of her direction on this album, and just kind of like how she put it together? I think when you you do an album, you want to you know, um, just you know, just kill your resources. Because when you have those two artists like Black and Anderson Pack, and they see your track list, I'm like, oh, you got those two artists, and they're really hot. Black is still hot. Anderson Pack is like on the top of the world right now. So people are going to gravitate to it just because of those two names alone. But the music will have to, like, you know, keep them there. It's cool. I mean, it's, it's great marketing. You got the, you know, just go all out your first album because I mean it's your first album. You want people to 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 rock with you, but yeah, I mean, I mean it wasn't a bad album. It was it was cool. It was like something. It was good to listen to. Like I'll not I, I really, too. Yeah, this was really good to listen to. I, it, yeah. it wasn't like like a like a, a a breakaway album, but I do think for a debut, this was this was a, a good start for a really good start for. Her. Yeah, and then you know some people think you don't want to like have this amazing first album and then your sophomore album you want to have room to improve um room to improve for the for your second album but i thought this was a good good first debut album you have two good features that will kind of keep like even i don't know if people are listening to it listen to her album but i know only one song is started on apple music when i listen to it and that was not too deep with black so I don't know if they're listening to the debut album or not, but it's, it gives you room for improvement and be yeah. able to see what you did wrong or what people didn't relate to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she did the right thing. She depleted her resources to get those two artists and get the other artists like, I don't know who Kaya Fox is or Unknown Mortal. Who, yeah, there are a couple uh, artists on this yeah. album. I, I did not know who they are. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where they are, but yeah. you do right. You deplete, you market, you do all that stuff, replete your resources and you replenish. But, um, but now you know what worked and what didn't work and what you have to conform to, yeah. to be able to be successful in the music game. And she's going to, I mean, she knows that she's been in the game for, um, for X amount of years now. Absolutely. Um, and, and now getting into, to our, our review of, of divisions, if I get caught, um, and, in this new single, you know, which which includes a Jay Z sample from one of his tracks, "Song Cry," yeah. you know, it kind of contains an, an unorthodox rhythm, and the vocals are just you know always solid. And looking at this first single that, that that they put out in a while after their you know their "Cheers to the Best Memories" collab with Ty Dolla Sign from from last summer, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I still like. I still yeah, like. I know Savon no. hates it, but <laughs> I like it, no. man. I, I, I cannot bump with it. I'm but, glad uh, you can see my face with it. <laughs> yes, yes, I know, I know, no. <laughs> Uh, what were your thoughts on this single? Because, I mean, this got a lot of attention last week. A lot of people were talking about the sample, what they liked, what they didn't like. I heard a lot yeah. of, I didn't like it from, from, from people. I heard a lot of people that say, say they just were not into it. 
Um, but what were some of your thoughts on it? <laughs> Same thing. I love yeah. the sample. Sample. I mean, sample. I forgot his name. I forgot his specific, and I think it's what ninety nine or something like that. Yeah. The producer. Uh, 1995 or whatever. Yeah. He's always been incredible producer. Oh, he's amazing. He's like a, his kind of yeah. great songs. Yeah. Yes. Ton of Nicki Minaj songs. I mean, the list is you know, is and is insane. But uh, for this one, I didn't. It didn't. His vocals didn't go with this. This beat, like it really wasn't that. Like, and I love Division. Like, hit their first oh, yeah. EP. Oh my god! And his album. His album was cool. Like the the album with the Muse. That was cool. Like it was dope. And but this one and that Todd Dollar, they going in the wrong direction, Wellington. They need a. <laughs> Big the, wheel you turn. The thing I don't get is they even put up of of of, of uh, videos with them and J- Jermaine Dupri in the studio and some of the leaked tracks they're working on. Those sound amazing. Yes, but those aren't the ones they're putting out. Maybe they're saving it for the album. But album. Like, what w- w- what are your thoughts on just why they would pick this as their first single? Like, do you think it's more so because of like the popularity of the sample, or just like, like 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 what do you think is pro- probably like what they're thinking is for it? I think the test of waters, and I think the sample. When they when you first turn it on, you hear that sample. I'm like, oh, yeah. I know who that is. That's yeah. Jay. That's Hove. Yeah. And um, and then when you get to the the meat of the song, you're just like, hmm, that's not it. But I think when you drop these, I think they're testing the waters because I know a lot of artists they'll drop a song and if it doesn't do well, they'll take it off. They'll take it <clears throat> out of the streaming services and then they'll go back and then they'll drop another single or just wait to the album or they just leave it there. Mm-hmm. I think you, you test the waters with these type of songs. And I don't think this was a single song. I think it was an album song for sure. And I think we always talk about the differentiation. Yeah. Yeah. You have to know the difference between an album song and a single song. And this was not it. Like Muse, when he dropped Muse, just a single. Oh, yeah. That's a single song. Yes. That was a hit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. For it sure. was a hit. As soon as you listen to it, you're hooked to it. But this, bro, like, no, this. Whoa. My watch to be listening, man. <laughs> <laughs> the watch it's is tuned in. <laughs> it start playing Party Next Door Temptations. Oh, like, wow. stop listening to the, my conversation, bro. Like, what are we doing here? Gosh. But no, yeah. Um, I think it's it's a it's a marketing aspect to test the water, see what see if the song will work in people. Uh, like it was mixed motion, so you're gonna get half and half, but I think they get the percentage and it's listening again and it went to I camera. Was, I was highly disappointed with that. Yes, after after a long this long of a wait of the first single, this is what we get. <laughs> Come on, guys. You guys really gotta redeem yourself for the next single. It's gotta be something that just that just blows away. Yeah, this, this it is, did. And did not get saved. I tell you, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I tell you that it did not get saved, my brother. That's crazy. Um, and, and now getting into into our, to our second uh, single review with "Worries Not Me" featuring Raheem and Chantel May. Um, this mm. is Worries' second R and B single, which contained just you know a relatable narrative and ear pleasing vocals, and just you know the likable tune possesses you know left soul instrumentation flavor with contemporary R and B, but. What were some of your thoughts on this single and just the you know the two collabs he had with it with Raheem and Chantel May? Oh, Raheem, I'm glad he's back. Yes. Uh Chantel May didn't know who that was, but I'm glad she's on this track or he or she was glad on <laughs> oh, I think it was the latest sound like a boy, yeah, like she, a woman. Chantel May, yeah. First and foremost, Rory is Rory. I think beast. I got three songs saved by him. This is Rory's the other a beast, one. Man. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and then the cover the fact art. that he can be a podcaster and still do music on the side. Like I'm, I'm trying to get to that. You do exactly. it. You do it. Maurice does it. <laughs> like that's crazy. Hey, yo! Shout out to Maurice moving yeah, to uh, to, Maurice. to Seattle. Yeah. Hey, good Microsoft. luck, my boy. Microsoft. Oh, he's working for Microsoft. Yeah. That's yeah. what's up. He act, didn't act put secured. why he moved. Act secured. Look, <laughs> look, he didn't say why he moved. He be okay. Well, it's it got being the. the... Being sick. I got the. <laughs> Hey, shout out to you know, when he's edited in the podcast. Hey, bro, I'm, I'm also going to, to Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up, bro. That's Victor. That's Victor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, the this cover art, the painting yes. was really dope. First and foremost, that draws you in. Then Raheem, man. Oh, wow. A lot of people don't know about he changed his name and um. Cause he's he's worked on a lot of stuff with uh, Drake, mm. yeah. Raheem Walker with a lot of stuff with Drake, like in Division. He's wrote some stuff for Division too. Got he's it. from Toronto, so I've I he had he had a, the same EP out for years, and he went ghost. Like he he was he be going ghost, but like all, I said, all to say, all the three vocals it gelled well. Yes, yeah. Very this well. song was a vibe. Yeah. This this one I liked a lot. I like this a lot. This was a vibe. And, and he's picked Roy has picked right singles, like really good singles. He had um uh he was able able to have Alex Isley on um for for, for the last one also, you know, FK Drama. Like he's he's been able to pick just like really like pinpoint singles. Like can you yes. tell like when an artist knows like hey, I since like I've never put out an album before, I really have to like show showcase what I'm trying to do for the album before I even put out, you know, the full body of work. Oh, for sure. Like your singles is, I would say, if you're John Wick, your single is your pistol. (laughs) (laughs) Close range. You know what I mean? That's the killer. And then your album bring out a, you know what I mean? Like, I hate to like use a gun analogy in John Wick. (laughs) John Wick 4 coming out soon. Coming Uh, out soon. Your your first year. (laughs) Y'all already knew. Y'all already knew. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking um, the singles are what get people hyped about the album. Obviously, I mean, yeah. but when you choose the right single, and a lot of artists chose the right single, and their career kind of skyrocketed, and then the album just enhanced their stardom. Yeah, when you when you can choose and know the difference between a album song, and y'all gonna hear this a lot, album song a and a single song. Roy is one of those guys who understands just that. And he's been dropping great singles and I can't wait for his album. Yeah. Same. Anticipation. Anticipation is is super high for that one. And and one more thing, there's been recent news with with, with SZA and and her camp about her wanting (sighs) to drop her album. Then TDE saying they want to wait for the right time as, I mean, nothing new. Like you, that's what you expect. Like (laughs) we wouldn't expect any other answer from TDE, but, but like, what are your thoughts on on that news and also just like obviously like this has been a, a busy summer in terms of like like Drake dropping an album, Beyonce, like there have been heavy hitters dropping. And I, right. I feel like they're probably kind of waiting for those, you know, albums to die down. Like, what are your thoughts on their thought process and also what SZA wants? Cause she I feel as though she definitely has an amazing album in store. Uh, but it's just that tuck, you know, that 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 pushing forward. Okay. TDE. TDE. They're either gonna be geniuses or they're crazy. I thought it was a great move them adding a couple songs to her album and just making it a uh, deluxe, deluxe deluxe. Yeah, the control deluxe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I thought those songs was really good and gave us insight. Those probably was old songs though. But 
obviously SZA wants to drop new music and she wants people to hear what she's doing. I think SZA's album, because it's such highly anticipated, can withstand any other artists at this point. That's we just I'm want saying. her to drop. I think they can withstand. Yeah, I think they can. She can withstand those other artists, honestly. Yes, even Beyonce. SZA has been a highly anticipated for yeah. years. Since the TikTok song came out, I still, that's the first one I, I want to, tell me one. the name, and the first one I'm listening to. I don't care if it's the seventh song on the album, I'm going to that one. Going I need right to, to that one. I'm going right to that one. <laughs> I need to hear the whole thing, because I'm like, bro, that is that out yet? will shut down the world. Yes. That's all <laughs> If they, if, I don't think it will ever be a, <clears throat> excuse me, a perfect opportunity to drop. Everybody's anticipating her album. Everybody wants her album. Yeah. Like, just, I think if it doesn't matter if Prince comes back alive and he drops an album, I think. I don't care who comes back. <laughs> she, can, she can run with the best Gay goes back. <laughs> exactly. Teddy Pendergrass come back. Another love to Like, bro, I think she can hold her own, bro. Oh, yeah. She's self-checkout ready, bro. She can hold oh, yeah. her own, bro. Like, come on. Drop it already. Drop it. it doesn't matter yeah. who drops at the same time. It does That's not matter. You're big as well. You're also a big artist as well. Yes. <laughs> like, I mean, I know those are A-listers, but you're a major, a major deal as well. So, I mean, you definitely... She's gonna have the runway. She's eventually gonna have the runway. So at this point, you could have, they could have utilized Kendrick's album. Yeah, Khaled pulled her album right behind it. Yeah. TDE killing. Then you drop um, Reasons, another album because he got an album coming, coming out. He's got one coming. And then you drop Jake, like bro, like if I'm TDE, bro, That's and I got all these artists, roll out. That's a perfect rollout to do. The only one I wouldn't drop is Akari. I'm not dropping him. He got, he needs some time. He needs some time. He needs some time. But J Rock, obviously, he's been seasoned. Reason is gonna be the face. Scissors is gonna be the face. Drop the music, man. Come on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're hearing it. TDE, TDE, and SZA. Yes, we want it. We want, we want everybody we've waiting, wants we've been it. waiting we've been and we want that tiktok song hey drop that if you if you don't drop the album drop that as a single like like next month just, 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 just do that please <laughs> please that's all that's all we want I think, I think people will be satisfied yeah and wait for the album if you drop that but that's the highly anticipated song that's so you don't, yeah. you don't want it to drain it out and then <sighs> I understand it, but patience. you know, yeah, patience. <laughs> We're waiting ten years, you know. Waiting. <laughs> I guess they say if we could wait for Kendrick Lamar for five Which, years, then hey, we could work. If we can get a five star classic like that, I possibly can see what. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 okay. I, 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 yeah, I'll accept it. I'll accept it. <laughs> yeah, his album. This yeah, still classic. listen to it. Oh <laughs> man! But like who? What's <laughs> about like who? <laughs> Bro, and when he said in the intro, Savon, when he said in the intro, I grieve different. This this guy, man, this guy gets he gets it. He gets. <laughs> Bro, he's he gets it. <laughs> like he is an anomaly too when it comes to music, bro. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't get it, man. The melodies, the bars, the lyricism, the creativity, the message. Like, come one more on. thing. One more thing. So Tyler had a hot take a few weeks ago. He said, "You can make a case that Kendrick Lamar is the greatest rapper ever. You can, you can make a case, which I absolutely you can. agree. Which I absolutely agree. Absolutely. I think with his catalog, you can. I really think so. He's got that catalog. Where you can say, like, you you can make that case among the greatest ever that he he could be in the ever. 
Because you look at the different areas of hip-hop, you put Kendrick Lamar can be in any era of oh, yeah. hip-hop. With yeah. Rod Kim, with Big Daddy Kane, he has the, like, he had all that in his catalog. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, bro, you can make, no, like, no, you can make, you can who make said that? Joe Buddy, we talked about it. Joe Buddy yeah, said, Joe Buddy. like, he's he said, the, like, that's the boogeyman. Man. That's the boogeyman. That's the boogeyman. He, bro, he might, no, any money. That's got me thinking. Cause who we, else? We would might need there? to do like a a, a list a list episode one day. <laughs> Cause nobody else, like even the people who are dead, Tupac can't touch. Mm-mm, no, no, not lyrical. Like both of them had the same kind of career, but lyrici- lyrically, in bars, in mm-hmm. style, in cadence, vernacular, like different mel. Bro, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nah. Ooh. This guy's thinking. <laughs> We're gonna take a break on this one. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our High Flying Bird Review. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting to our High Flying Bird Review. And to start with the overview, High Flying Bird is a 2019 sports drama film directed by Steven Soderbergh um, from a story suggested by Andre Holland with the screenplay by Terrell Alvin McCraney. Um, the film stars uh, Holland, Zazie Beetz, Melvin Gregg, Tantra John, Zachary Quinto, and uh, Glenn Flesh- Flesher. And the film follows a sports agent who must pull off a plan in 72 hours, pitching a controversial opportunity to his client, I'm a rookie basketball player during the company's lockout. And the, the crazy thing about the film was it was shot entirely on an iPhone 8, um, becoming uh, Soderbergh's second film to be shot on an iPhone after Unsane. But um, it had a budget of $2 million and, and had a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, what were some of your initial thoughts on this film and just it lo- it, the look of it at a professional at professional sports and just seeing what Soderbergh was doing with this. You said they had a oh, two yeah. million dollar budget <laughs> and they shot it on an iPhone. Eh? No, no lie, no lie. <laughs> that makes sense because there's a couple shots when the shot was yeah. on the train. I was like, what kind of gimbal are they using? Oh my goodness! Wow, that yeah, that way that way when you like let that sink in, you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> uh, iPhone eight, yeah. <sighs> okay, um, first thoughts. I thought this was Tubi worthy, not Netflix worthy. To be honest with you, I okay. Let me let me not kill it too bad. Right, first off the bat, I love the idea of the movie. The whole premise, the whole storyline to change the game is a lockout. They're trying to figure out a different way. It's a risk. You know, I I love that because it's a sense of urgency. Now it's you bring people, the audience in. We have this X amount of time to do this. It's just like Ocean's Eleven in a way because we got to pull this off in this set amount of time. Yeah, it's a set amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of pulling you in that way. But then I don't know. But that's what my thought was. I thought it was. The premise and the storyline was good, and I, I see why they pitched it and they got that budget or whatever. But um, outside of that, it was, I mean, they had some some decent. I mean, Zaza, that's my baby, you know, you know what I mean. That's um, it. That's it. Hold on, let me not say it too loud because my girlfriend's in the other room. Uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, I mean, honestly, like the character, <laughs> this character is not her. <laughs> But no, obviously they had her in there. They had, I think his real name is Gerald, um, the the star. Not the star, but the, the basketball player. I think his name was yeah, Gerald. Yeah, he was also in Snowfall. 
Yeah. And he, he's not a, no, his name is Melvin. Sorry. Not his name is Melvin Gregg. He started his, see, they listening. Well, it's him. Look, bro. <laughs> Why are they tapped in? <laughs> Let me take it off. Let me take it off. Let me take it off. Why are they tapped in? <laughs> they tapped in, bro. If you just want to listen to the show, bro, just go to, you know, iTunes yeah, you know or Spotify. You know just they trying to watch me for this. I don't know if I YouTube said something. YouTube eventually. YouTube eventually. Come on. You, you know. Oh, everywhere, yeah. Everywhere. Man, come on, man. But no, I thought like he's not that good of an actor. But the Ray Burt, well, Andre Holland guy, I thought he was. Andre killed decent. it. I, I really he was like pretty what he good. does. Yeah. He looks familiar, though. He was in Moonlight. Yeah, he was in Moonlight. Yes! 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 I knew he looked familiar, Willis. He was in Moonlight. He was, oh, he was in 42, and he was in Selma. I knew he looked familiar. Mm -hmm. That dude's been around. Yeah, he's he's, he's putting a lot of work. Okay. He's a good actor. Yes. He's definitely a good actor. But um, I thought they could have found a better, somebody who could play better, uh, Eric, Eric Scott. So they could have found yeah, somebody better. Didn't have depth. That that's the one thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like when, especially when you have an athlete in that in that type of role, you have to find like the right one. Like, is there like another actor that you think could have been picked, or like, do you think it was one of those things where they just felt as though like hey, we got to use somebody we, we we can find for this because this is a different type of film, anyways. Yeah. Now you mention that, and that you have a budget of two million, you you can't get, you know. Like an A list, a B list, or a C list, or a D list. We got two million. Hey, you, 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 you want to get... come? <laughs> no. You got to find somebody off Craigslist. That's what you do. <laughs> With a budget of two million, and you shoot it off. I, I just just imagine them walking on set, and oh. if they didn't weren't told <laughs> that it was getting shot on my body, I would have walked out. Oh my. Oh, I hope they were told, because that would have been a big yeah. punch in the in the job. Like we're shooting off iPhone eight. I mean, don't get me wrong, I shoot stuff off my my iPhone too, and it's glorious. Mm-hmm. But this is different. This is iPhone thirteen. iPhone mm-hmm. eight wasn't that good. It shot four K. Yeah, yeah, it shot four K, but it wasn't you know something extravagant like the new cinematic mode they have on the iPhone thirteen. Yeah. But if they didn't know and they just walked on the set, I don't think it was a set. They were just like, no permits. They just walked out. Okay, we're going to yeah, shoot right here, guys. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's go now. <laughs> no trailer. They changed in a Starbucks bathroom. Oh, like, man. nothing, man. But no, like, now that you meant, like, you just think about the budget. You can't get anybody. Like, this mm-hmm. was like, probably just like a, like a tester film, like see if people liked it. And then you yeah. shout out off of man, you're not gonna have a big budget, you're not gonna have big actors. I mean, I wonder how much they pay Skip Bayless and you know Shannon Sharp to be just like the cameos. Like, bro, they probably sit Shannon Sharp, watch. you know, some cognac, it's a black mouth the elevator, watch them in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh man. my gosh, man. Goodness. But no, it almost man, reminds that... me of like when PTI was in Creed. Now, when PTI was in Creed, they were like, okay, <laughs> like. Hey, like, yeah. like, 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 we're doing something big, but like Skip and Shane, they were like, we're doing this for for a, a, a film that shot on an iPhone eight and a budget of two. <laughs> I guess they just want to get it, get it to film, get, man. Get, yeah, like that's your it. way in, but that's yeah, I was man, what, I did not what, know. what would it be like if we were like had a random clip on a on a on a movie one day, like like full scope was 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 reviewing something in a movie, like they're like, oh, what did what did Wellington and Savon say about the upcoming? <laughs> <laughs> 
we on YouTube doing reviews. Like, I don't <laughs> think they should just just come on, skip. Y'all yeah, need it's just like stay yeah. to the supports, bro. Yeah, but this man, sports, first bro. impression, first impression. Yeah. Now it makes sense. It looked kind of like it was shot. And and that and you always mention what like your your thoughts on how things are shot. Even the, the do do the right thing, like 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 an older film, like mm-hmm. Raging Bull. Like yep. in terms of just how a film is shot, like is that to you like one of the most important things in terms of just like the overall aesthetic of the movie? Yeah, like perfect. We need to do the gray man shot mm. perfectly. Whoever was flying that drone, you got to watch it tonight with us. Whoever was flying that drone, bro, mm. they were flying it. They are wow. professionals. But they had a shot where he was, um, what's the guy's name? Um, the lead actor. Gosh, I always forget his name. Played in everything. Um, his name, I'll look up his name later. But they had a shot of him walking in a tunnel. And it was like a, a Westcom shot. It was shot on a slider. Mm-hmm. But they, it was a twisted shot. And it was like so perfect. And then they cut to the like those sequences mm. goes a long way because they tell the story. They add to the effect of just somebody walking instead of just having this or gimbal or just like a slider watching them walking. Yeah. It was different shots, bring you different angles and making you feel like you see everything at a different angle. Like the way you shoot, like Tarantino, he always does, yes. you know, even Bay does the hero shot a lot. No, his name. Michael Bay does Michael the hero Bay. shot. Mm a lot up up here camera down everywhere's way here in a yeah. pan like he does that a lot that's his signature Tarantino shoots on an old film camera and his shots are you know adds to the effect of the film and you yeah. need those because if you shoot a film <laughs> badly it's gonna show up <laughs> yeah it'll show that's up. why that's why I like Malcolm and Marie a lot because to be able to shoot that in one location is extremely difficult and to find different angles in that one location to be able to shoot, yeah. And it was in black and white, which is a good aesthetic. And to think I only gave that film three stars, man. One of my worst days. One of my worst days as a podcaster. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> one of my worst that days. one. That was a good film, <laughs> One bro. of my worst days. <laughs> they was acting their butt off, bro. They were. I, they Zendaya, killed that. They killed that. Yeah, Zendaya, And then Still. John David Washington, I mean, he's just... He's, he's in a new film with everybody. Everybody. De Niro. Oh, uh, that, uh, I, oh, I forgot what it's called with um the guy who just played in Love Thunder. Oh. Christian Bale. Christian, Christian Bale. Bale is I know it. what movie you're talking about. Yeah, I saw the preview. I was like, oh, I don't know what this is, but it looks. Amazing. It's coming out in November. Yes. Um, you, the the cast is stacked. Yes, they I believe Michael B. Jordan budget. is also in it as well. It's like a he, it's a or, or he has like some directorial um something something in it. They got Drake is also an executive producer. Drake is also an executive oh, producer of the movie. Oh, yeah, that budget is crazy. They <laughs> got budget like a is insane. I was telling somebody budget. they're going for every award for the Oscars. Yes. Like they are you can tell when a film is like going for every award, like that, that movie is <clears> gonna <throat> be insane. So that's how you know they got a big budget. But two million dollars, iPhone yeah, eight. We're talking about a different film now. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> um, but 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 now kind of get, getting into our first topic. For, for from what you saw in this film, from one to four stars, what, what would be your particular rating for it? I have to give it a two. Um, I have to give it a two. I mean, the reason why I gave it a two is it should have been a one for me. It was a two because the storyline and the premise behind it. And I think it is oppressive to shoot something on an iPhone 8 with a $2 million budget 
Mm-hmm. I wish they just would have did it in a year when the iPhone perfected yeah. the 4K and then the Senate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, if you shoot that, it will look it'll look perfect. It's good. You can, yeah, it's I'm all for it. You can shoot yeah. that. But and this with, year, and this year, yes. And this year I would definitely yeah. do it. But not 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 then. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And I mean, obviously with the, the budget you have, you're not gonna have the best actors or the A-list actors, so it's nothing to bring you towards. But the the storyline is what gave me to say, I'll give it a two. Mm. That was solid, I would think. I mean, and, and, and that, that really is interesting because like from from what I saw with the cast and the dialogue, I would I would go with a three. I would go with the three actually. I thought the mm. cast w- was put together well. The you know they're just, generous. They're, I I am I'm kind of being generous because <laughs> I came off of a Thor Love and Thunder where we like <laughs> we just oh like we God. almost gave it. I was so close to giving like one and a half or something. Like I just Bro, was, that I was. I did not want to so give that trash. any credit. <laughs> that was so um, trash. But, but I, I mean, and another thing like it really immersed in the economics and sociology of the NBA, which I thought was, that was a creative, creative aspect of it. Cause when you look at it, like when you look at the business side of the NBA, like, like how close do you think they were in kind of like matching the reality of it and just kind of like the ins and outs of like what happens? I think it was similar to the real lockout they had. I forgot what year it was, but it was, I think it was, it was very similar. They were spot on. I think they did the research. I think everything they were saying we're spot on and to be able to add that's I think that fueled the element of the storyline to be able to say, okay, we can try to do something differently yeah. and bring in, you know what I mean? So I thought it was realistic. Mm. And I think that's why I gave it a two, because the storyline really was was tough. Besides all the other stuff, the storyline was tough. Like mm. the whole premise was 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 solid. And I think that's why people was like, okay, we can let's let's try to shoot it. Let's try to do it. Yeah. Um but other than that, then it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> thumbs Yo. down, a thumbs down for Sam. <laughs> no, for certain. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, now getting into kind of like favorite character, um, for me overall, like Ray Burke, you know, he really he was the the overall because like Andre Holland's yeah. role in this film, I thought was just so impressive. He had yeah. the most important task in pulling off, you know, the the urgent the urgent plan um for the star player and. He always knew what was going to be like the overarching theme and what was best um, uh, uh, for Eric in this movie. Like, like what did mm-hmm. you kind of think about uh, who was your overall favorite character in this one? And just kind of like the, the standout scene. Ray, Ray, yeah. Ray Burke, his character was a standout. Obviously, he was the star, the star of the movie for for good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be able to find the loophole in that and be able to try to figure things out to to move it and to have the trust in the beginning, have the trust and have the, the persuasion to say, okay, I think we can do it. I think you're the the right person I can do it with because you're, you're my client. Let's, let's try it. What's the worst thing can happen? You're on a, you're on a lockout anyways. You're not going to be able to do anything. So I thought his character was tenacious. He had to be witty and he had to be, he had to be adaptable. And I think that character really stood out among everybody. Because to be able to pull something like that off or try to pull like something like that, you got to be in a certain area. That's why it resembles Ocean's Eleven to the T. It, it really does. And, and I mean, like, even with like with what we saw Steven Soderbergh do, because he's been in, he, he's directed so many films in the past mm-hmm. and then doing something like this. Like, what did you think about him kind of like tackling a different subject and something that was kind of like outside of his regular film film uh, making choices and, and genre uh, and kind of kind of like genre specific role 
a lot of people think sports film are easier. I think they're the. I think shooting it is easier, but I think when it comes to a, a strong foundation and a, a storyline that can keep people engaged, and it's not because it's a sports movie. There's a lot of terrible sports movies out there. <laughs> yeah. um, but to be able to do that, I think sports films are harder than action films and all this stuff. Shoot me like storyline wise or like mm. script wise. But I think he did an excellent job to kind of, I guess, merge what he did with Ocean's Eleven and put it into, that's the only way you could do something like that with that type of budget to be able to merge those two and just use sports, which is literally a business, like stealing casinos, casinos be stealing from people, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's all a business at the end of the day. But to be able to merge those two and it be slightly successful, I think it got like six out of ten stars, which is not bad at all for a film shot off of iPhone 8. Yeah. So that's impressive. But other than, yeah, I thought to be able to merge the two is, yeah, that's, I mean, it's ingenious. Yeah. It's it's definitely ingenious to be able to do that. Because, like, now you think about it, I'm like, bro, he shot Ocean's Eleven. That's okay. so tough. It's sim. Yeah. Everything is similar. The climax, the build up, <laughs> the protagonist. If you, if you didn't even know anything about this film and just watch it how and, and watch just the plot and the feel of it, you would say, "Oh, that's Soderbergh." Like you, you would instantly yeah. say, "Like, like that's a Soderbergh film because that's that's what he does." I just never knew his name, um, but I know Ocean's Eleven, twelve, thirteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I know yeah, the like storyline resemblance. I'm like, yo, that looks yeah. and looks that's like a, that's an Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven type of movie. <laughs> yeah, and then when I looked yeah, at yeah. Uh, the preview, and I was like, the director shot Ocean's Eleven. Oh, it makes sense. Oh, you cheat weapon. <laughs> but it is, it's yeah, yeah you definitely Decode. see the similarities. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And now getting into into most memorable scenes, I had uh, the the uh, don't you get it, man? One where. Ray and Eric are talking about the changes that that Ray yeah. wants to make for Eric's career. Also, um, Eric and mm-hmm. and Jamiro's one on one. You know the 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 viral the, the the viral clips and 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 the attention that that brought. Um, also, mm-hmm. Ray and Spencer's conversation about Eric's future and just kind of young players in the league. And then um, finally, like when when Ray and Eric, you know, Eric decides to let go of, of Ray as his agent and kind of wants to make his own uh, go on his own path. Uh, <clears throat> what were some of your thoughts like like what were some of the memorable scenes that you kind of had in this one or maybe j- just one that like stood out to you uh, the most in this movie every last one of you just mentioned where once again whether it's spot on with the the scenes because <laughs> the one where he was explaining what he wanted to do with um with eric you could tell he practiced had to practice this to himself and oh, yeah. prepare himself to be Multiple able to times. like yeah, like you could tell, like he was in and out every question, every barrier he thought was going to have, Eric was going to have, he crushed it. And I mm-hmm. think the scene when he, when it was in the kitchen, it was talking about him, like, this is my career. I thought that was profound because he did trust them in the beginning. It did not go the way they thought it was going to go. <laughs> so then you got to, it's a business at the end of the day, I got to let you go. I have to figure out in my business as my career, lockout or no lockout. So those two scenes was like, I thought was really kind of really made you feel the movie a little more. It was relatable because you yep. want to believe in the person who's you feel that has your best interest. 
mm-hmm. and then you see the events that <laughs> unfold afterwards and you're like yeah i gotta get away from you buddy like this is not working <laughs> so i thought that was relatable and realistic but those are the scenes that i think really stood out especially them talking about he's just looking i'm like Bro, you sure, bro? Like, I don't think we can. Mm, no, because I would have said no for me. Nah, I'm like, nah, bro. Yeah. No, no, we're not doing this. I don't care not what they it. say. What we? I'm not doing this. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I mean, like, and and also, uh, and and an actress that that we've mentioned a lot was Azzy Beats with what mm-hmm. she does. Like, we've seen her in a mm-hmm. lot of films in the past, even Atlanta. What were your thoughts on her performance? Because she kind of had, uh, kind of like a background role, but it still was influential. It still was the type of role that she needed to like have a have a strong have have a strong say in in terms of what she was doing like like what were your thoughts on her performance and just kind of like how she fit into the movie i think her presence alone was better than her her like one-liners or just her just talking like her presence like even them walking and she's on his arm you can tell that she had a an effect on him in his decision making and like she was that voice of reasoning so she was definitely important to the character of Eric, I believe. But it was yeah. more so just her presence, her body language, just her. She didn't really have to say anything. You can know she had a a uh, a say and an effect on his his decision making and just yeah. his whole psyche and mental. So yeah, her character was very important because you need those. You need every like important person or whoever has that lady or whoever on their side to be the voice of reasoning to make sure they're doing the right thing. And I think her character kind of really balanced it out. Um, but I think her presence alone in the film was more impactful than her talking or just her, you know, her lines. Zazie can be my voice of reasoning whenever. Any <laughs> When I'm Monday. trying to make decisions about, you know, my, my future. <laughs> seven days a week. Seven days a week, baby. What you say? I just want to put it out there. Zazie. Put... <laughs> Zazie. We... We... Bro, is she? Yeah, man. Zazie. Oh, my goodness, man. <laughs> <laughs> what you say now? What you say now? <laughs> Um, and now getting into memorable quotes, I, I had um, how many how many agents give players money? Also, there's president. It's not protocol. Not during a lockout. Um, also, you're not even in the league yet. And then finally, um, I'm no longer having a, having a good time. And that was kind of like the the, the, the my, culmination yeah. of just like yeah, this this wasn't working out. This doesn't have this doesn't have the same feel as it once mm-hmm. did. Um, but what were like some of your memorable quotes in this movie that you kind of uh, went back to? That was the one. I'm not, I'm no longer having fun anymore. That was the one I yeah. wrote down. I highlighted. I was like, yeah. Cause I mean, at that, at that point, you, he, you, you just realize, like, bro, this is, this is yeah. not fun. This is not like, it's a, first of all, it's a game. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to, I fell in love with this game because it was fun to do. Now I realize it, I can make money from this game. But if it's not fun anymore, and you're not enjoying the moment and it's more business than fun, then you're not going to do it. I think that summed up the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not having fun anymore. Like, it's it's not even about basketball anymore. Yeah. So, and I so thought many that players was the- realize that yet almost too late. Like, 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 like they, they, they get into it and then over years, it's just like, okay, this isn't something that I'm really enjoying because the love of the game nope. is gone. It's about, yes. you know, what sponsorships I can get, you know, who, who can get my attention, who can I like show off my popularity too, because it's no longer mm-hmm. just about the purity of the game. And that's and that's kind of like 
we even see in the NBA, certain players, they just realize very soon, like it's, it's no longer just the game. It's also a business as well. Yeah. And you like, that's why I think that you have agents. That's why you have people to do the business. So you can just focus on the game, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you just cannot focus on the game. You have to be in the business because a lot of people still all the kind of stuff. So, but yeah, that was the most, I think one of the most important lines in this movie. Like I'm not having fun. Like once you're not having fun. Um, and now getting to kind of what did you like the most about the storyline? T- to me, how the, the film focused on the economics and sociolo- sociology of the NBA, I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of the highlight of the movie because we, like you said, there are a ton of sports films that have been done. They haven't been done. All, they, they always haven't been done well because at some point they kind of missed the mark of what the objective of the movie is. Um, right. but I thought that Soderbergh was able to, to kind of like highlight that and, and, and do a pinpoint very well. Like to you, what element of the storyline do you kind of like the most? I will have to say I like the the ability, the merging of the two genres to kind of fit this sports and make it semi enjoyable. I also like that there was this ambitious agent who saw an opportunity to capitalize on the lockout, yeah. and that's what business ventures are. They're taking a risk and taking a chance. And I thought mm. this film was so realistic, and it really was spot on to what the lockout was with the NBA. I think it was what 15, I forgot when the lockout was, whatever. I think the, it was around 2012, 2011. 2012. Yeah. 20, yeah. Oh, we was in, yeah, I was in high school still. And I, well, high school went to college, but um, I thought it was, it was realistic. I thought it was spot on. I thought it was relatable because that's what, that's what is a business. That's what business visions are. You take a chance, you take a risk. There's collateral damage. Some you win, some you lose. Some you knock out the park, some you don't. So I thought the storyline, that's the storyline was really impressive. That's what I really liked about the film. The storyline was really impressive. Yeah. But I wish they had a bigger budget to bring everything together. Everything together. That's yeah. all they're missing. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and getting to our last topic, 10 years from now, like, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? <laughs> like looking at looking at this movie and what you've seen of it, I mean, we, we talk about the budget, we talk about how how it was shot, like. Like, what do you, how do you think this movie will age, like, going forward? Because I feel as though it's one of those films that people will catch. You know, it, it'll get people's attention because it's something that's different. But right. will it age as, as as well as some of, like, the other great sports films, you know, like Friday Night no. Lights, all, all those, you know, it's not going to have that. But how do you think it will, it will age? Now, I don't, you know, just how you, like, you know, skipped upon it and you saw it. I don't think it will, I don't think it will be on Netflix. I don't know if it was still on Netflix. I didn't watch it on Netflix. You know, I, uh, really? I, uh. I pirated it. that down quick. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it was on there. Well, I looked. It wasn't on there. I didn't find it, so I just looked on mm-hmm. Google and found a link to it. <laughs> yeah, watched it. Um, but I don't think it's gonna. If it's still on there, I didn't see it. But if it's still on Netflix, I don't think it's gonna be on Netflix. I think it's going to be just uh, drifting in the wind. Doesn't matter who directed it. I don't think this will be ten years from now. I don't think it would be. Something I was gonna pick above the rim, watch. but I guess we'll say that for later. I was going to pick above the rim, but we're going to uh, above the rim. Oh, okay. Oh, for to the review. Yeah. I, I, I oh, was okay. going to pick, I was going to pick that, but I was like, which should, should I save that one for a later time? Cause I mean that, that film is above the rim is, is solid, man. It's so above good. The rim is it's solid. so good. It's, so it, good, it's definitely solid. Definitely. Um, and, and, and also like when, before, before we close out, when you look at, just how how other filmmakers like how do you think other film filmmakers will kind of look at this review at, at, at this kind of like at this movie and just like the aspects of Soderbergh kind of using using mm-hmm. an iPhone 
But when you yeah. look at this year, it would have been, like you said, it would have been better if they would have done it where like the iPhone is, it's kind of magnified. How do you think other filmmakers can kind of look at a film like this, not a long film, but one they where you try something different, but just the technology aspects of it just weren't as, as good as they are now. Pioneer. Like you have to start somewhere. I think now there's going to be another opportunity for a director or small director, short film to be able to shoot on the iPhone. And there's different lenses you can use on your iPhone to be able to shoot on it. I thought it was a, a, a great idea, but we just said different, different time. You know, you look at how drones have came into cinema and film and they're utilized more now for different shots, like yeah. more than like using the, um, the slider gimbal or just like the boom thing that goes around and swoops in, you know, like mm -hmm. utilizing drones. If you can get a, a good guy or a good person to be able to fly, they, they bring a different element. You have to, so before that, there was taboo. Using an iPhone, using nothing other than the quality camera was taboo. I think right. now you look at it as a pioneer and an opportunity. So you look at the mm -hmm. same script that he did. He brought an action comedy and bringing it to the sports world. And it was yeah. successful. Storyline was successful. Yeah. But just Storyline imagine. Works. Yeah. Just imagine if it was a different budget and you got a... Uh, a different basketball player, a real basketball player, or somebody similar to that who actually, you know what I mean? Like, just imagine the but if they had a bigger budget and they shot it on, you know what I mean? Would it been yeah. just another film, or would it have been still like impressive enough? Like, you shot that on a two million dollar budget on an iPhone with a cast that don't even have an A lister on it, mm -hmm. and it made it to Netflix. So, like, I think is a is a pioneer opportunity to say, okay. They did this with this type of budget. We have a better camera on iPhone now. If you wanted oh, yeah. to do this, we could. Like, it's just Elevated. like an opportunity. Yeah. So I think you definitely need those pioneers to be able to, like, you know, pave the way. I'm like, okay, this is what he did wrong, but this is what I like. How can we take it further? Yeah, exactly. How can we take it further? Definitely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns. I'm a counterpart, Save by Morse. This has been Full Scope. See you later.